the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob Fratz Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. It is indeed the Bob France Authority, and it begins at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this 20th morning of the month of September in the year of our Lord, 2018. Thank you so much for joining us. My goodness gracious, it just goes on and on and on and on, does it not? The uh, left twisting itself into multiple pretzels in order to try to find a way to say that Brett Kavanaugh did it, but the accuser doesn't have to prove it. That's it. You can't make her talk. Even though she said she wanted to talk, now she doesn't, and you can't make her, and he's guilty anyway, and we must stop this nomination, and away we go. Um, so much ground to cover on this today. I have been almost exclusively on this since Monday's program. I will continue today because it is that important. And to that end, not that I feel I, I have a need to explain my, my decisions in terms of my show content, the things that I prepare for, the things that I, the audio clips that I want to play, the stories that I want to share, the viewpoints that I want to express. Um, I don't need to explain it, but I'm going to anyway. Would you agree with me? And you don't have to really call me to say yes or no to this. Just, just ask yourself. Would you agree with me that when the American people got down to business, in November of 2016 and voted for the next president after Barack Obama's term limited. Would you agree with me that there were two major issues that rose above all others in terms of what would decide the presidency? If you listened to, you know, the 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 campaign commercials the debates, the interviews, and everything else between the Republican nominee and the Democrat nominee, two issues came to the forefront more than all of the others, I think. Tell me if you would agree. The first one is immigration. And I don't mean in this order. These are just the two things. They're, they're, they're not one and two. They're 1A one and 1A. One uh, 
the first one was immigration. On one hand, you had a Republican nominee shouting, build that wall, build that wall, build that wall. Border security. Illegal immigration ended. Immigration reform completed. This is what we must do. And on the other side, the Democratic nominee shouting, open borders. I envision an open borders hemisphere. No, we are not going to be building some sort of a wall. We are going to be opening uh, uh, America, and we are going to be more inviting rather than less inviting. That diversity will be our strength, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Open borders versus a border wall. That was in large part one of the top two issues, I believe, that the American people had to choose from uh, in November of 2016. The other one... And I remember this well from doing all of these shows during that period of time and making appearances and giving speeches in other places. The other one was the Supreme Court. We knew that the possibility existed of two, maybe three, and goodness gracious, maybe more over an eight-year period if a president who wins ends up winning re-election and gets two terms. Over the course of eight years, given the age of many of the um Supreme Court justices, we may very well see two or three vacancies. And the American people had to decide, do you want Hillary Clinton filling those vacancies, making those appointments, or do you want Donald Trump doing so? I think those two issues, election items, were, were far and away the most important. That's not the only ones. People, okay, who do you, who do you trust to run the economy better? Who do you trust to uh, protect the country better with respect to our military? And our fight against terrorism, our ongoing fight against terrorism. Who do you trust to do a better job in job creation? All those things were there, too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we were one-issue voters or two-issue voters. But if you were to look at what took a, you know, a, a, the predominant amount of the time in discussing in that, that run-up to the 2016 election, I think those two issues were at the very, very top. We did not want. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many. We did uh, public appearances talking about the um, Salem uh, uh, town hall style meetings that we've had. You know, with Hugh and Larry Elder and Prager and all these guys in town and uh, Peter Kersenow and myself. You know, we, we were we talked about this ad nauseum. The Supreme Court is so extraordinarily important and in, in some ways more important than who wins the presidency because the presidency is over in four or eight years. Who is the lifetime appointee? To that court who will make one of nine decisions, uh, who will be one-ninth of decisions made, rather, um, to affect this country for decades to come. And, and so we wanted Donald Trump to be able to make those decisions. Those of us who voted for Republicans, we wanted Donald Trump to be able to make the, uh, the appointment, to, make the, to uh, nominate the individual who's going to be you know, part of those important decisions. And we won. He won. This is the way that it goes. I keep saying this, and I said it on social media again today as the Democrats continue. They're hysterical. Hysteri- and, and I mean that word in both ways. Hysterical as in hilarious to watch them try to turn themselves into pretzels trying to justify what they're doing right now. And the hysteria that they're creating, meaning the kind of the state of panic that they're in right now. I just really would love for some Democrat to call me and tell me how desperation tastes. I mean, because it's... it's, it's <laughs> it's theirs. They're owning it, and 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 they have to feel it. They have to they have to sense it. They have to smell it. They have to taste it every single day. I want to know how desperation tastes because they're not in control, and that makes them desperate. 
when Barack Obama won the presidency, he got to pick. And he picked Sonia Sotomayor and Elena Kagan. And guess what? Republicans hated it. Two liberal activists with lifetime appointments to the Supreme Court. Liberal activists, not constitutionalists, not originalists, but activists, legislators from the bench. They're not in the legislature. They're in the judiciary. They're not supposed to legislate, and Republicans hated it. But at the end of the day, Republicans had to accept accept the fact that elections have consequences. The American people voted for Barack Obama not once but twice. He got to pick Sotomayor and Kagan, and they had to sit there and eat it. Well, now Donald Trump won. Donald Trump won, and he gets to make his picks. Obama picked Sotomayor and Kagan. Trump picked Gorsuch and Kavanaugh. And the Democrats are allowed to hate it, just like the Republicans did. When Obama made his picks, they can hate it. But unlike the Republicans, the Democrats refuse to swallow hard and accept it. That elections have consequences. You had the chance to pick these uh, these nominees. All you had to do was vote Hillary. You didn't. Not enough of you in enough places. So now you have to accept this. This is the way that it is. Donald Trump has picked two extraordinarily qualified, experienced judges whose, whose records and whose ratings are, are incomparable. They are tremendous. There is absolutely zero reason to not confirm either one of those individuals, but they fought tooth and nail desperately to stop Neil Gorsuch. They couldn't do it because their own Former Majority Leader Harry Reid decided nuclear option is the way to go, and away we go. But with Gorsuch, they knew, they accepted to some extent, that this is still, you know, a conservative replacing a conservative. Justice Scalia was one one of the most conservative members in the history of the court, and Trump wants to replace him, it doesn't really upset the balance if he chooses another conservative. It's still 4-4 four to four in terms of political ideology and appointments. And then there's Kennedy, the swing voter. But now that Kennedy, the swing voter, steps aside, this is the one over which they are most desperate. Because now this changes the balance. A conservative like Brett Kavanaugh changes the balance. And this is why they are willing to do anything and everything, including destroy a man's character, including create and fabricate and use a created fabricated tale from a uh, a then 15-year-old girl who never remembered anything until she was a 50-year-old woman or just about and 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 allow this ridiculous story to destroy this ridiculous story to destroy a man's character and a man's career. This is what desperation looks like. I want to know what it tastes like, Democrats. The bottom line is this, as we listen to the shouting from the left, when we listen to the screams of you're re-victimizing her, a bunch of elitist white men are, are ganging up on a, on a defenseless sexual assault victim woman. This is the problem. 
if Senate Democrats and their activist friends, otherwise known as the media, hadn't started screaming, stop Kavanaugh, stop Kavanaugh, stop Kavanaugh, two seconds after Donald Trump announced his name as the nominee, then their hysterical screams of stop Kavanaugh, stop Kavanaugh, stop Kavanaugh, after the phony Christine Blasey Ford allegations came up, wouldn't look, wouldn't look quite as desperate, wouldn't look quite as ridiculous, wouldn't ring quite as hollow. But they made their point before Kavanaugh was even announced, they were going to stop whomever. It's stop, fill in the blank, whichever name Trump says, we have to stop. He said Kavanaugh, so they went right along with it. Stop Kavanaugh. If they had not done that back in July, and not, and they, if they had said, we are going to vet this person thoroughly, we're going to do our job giving advice and consent on the president's nominee to the Supreme Court, we're going to take this seriously. If they had done that then, and now they started screaming, stop Kavanaugh, they might have at least a little bit of, of ground to stand on, or a leg to stand on, rather. I don't want to mix my metaphors. They, they might have a little bit of, of you know moral high ground and a leg to stand on. But since they made their point clear before they ever looked into Brett Kavanaugh that we are going to stop him, their attempts to stop him now by way of this phony sexual assault story just rings that hollow and is just that desperate. And it cannot be allowed to be successful. That's the bottom line here. They knew from the beginning we have to stop this guy. They put together one of the most embarrassing displays in the history of the United States Senate during the confirmation hearings to stop Kavanaugh and still couldn't stop Kavanaugh. So now this is their last chance to stop Kavanaugh. I will submit to you this opinion. Not one Senate Democrat, not one, not Chuck Schumer, not Dianne Feinstein, not Maisie Hirono, not one single Senate Democrat actually believes Christine Blasey Ford's story. Not one of them. But they're going to lie and pretend that they do because their goal now is the same as it was when the name was announced. Stop Kavanaugh. A lot of audio to share with you, a lot of other viewpoints to share with you, a lot of stories to share with you, and a couple of good guests to talk to today, including the son of the President of the United States, Eric Trump, is going to be joining me about, joining me in about 15 minutes to talk about this and more, and I invite you to join me too at 216 It's the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. This boat short dresses wearing spiky on shoes, they smoke lucky strikes and wearing a singer in a smoky room. Chuck Grassley, Senate Judiciary Com- uh, Committee Chairman, has uh, essentially laid down the law. She either testifies Monday or we move onward. And she doesn't have to testify publicly. She can testify privately. She can testify publicly. She can testify in an open-door session. She can testify in a closed-door session. She doesn't even have to come to Washington if she doesn't want. We'll send staffers out there to interview her and listen to her entire statement. A bipartisan group of people can go out there to California and talk to her in her own place. We can do this however she wants, but since she is the one making extraordinarily serious allegations, we do need to hear from her in some capacity. She can choose how. 
The left says that's bullying her. <laughs> Literally, they say they are bullying her and re-victimizing her, suggesting that demanding that she testify in any forum whatsoever is not taking this seriously because they want to do it sooner rather than later. What's the rush, they scream. Why is this in such a hurry? And they know exactly what the rush is. And it's exactly why they did not present this when Dianne Feinstein received the letter over two and a half months ago. Had the letter been received two and a half months ago and turned over to the FBI, made made available to the Republicans, made available to Judge Kavanaugh that there is an allegation against him, an investigation could have been held at a much more leisurely pace. But given the fact that we are now pushing up against the midterm uh, elections in November, of course there's a rush. And how do we know that is their goal? Well, they pretty much said so. Maisie Hirono, the senator from Hawaii, the one who told all men to just shut up. Men don't get a voice in this anymore. Men have to. Can you? You did hear this, right? Can you imagine this? Of course it helps that there are women on that committee. But you know what? I expect the men in this country and the men in this committee and many of them believe me because we all signed on to this letter to uh, demand an FBI investigation but really guess who's perpetuating all of these kinds of actions it's the men in this country and I just want to say to the men in this country just shut up and step up Can, can you imagine if one male in the United States Senate said the following it's time for women in this country just to shut up <laughs> can you imagine Can you imagine? What one word would they immediately jump to for such an unbelievable statement? Sexist. They want women to shut up and get back in the kitchen and know their place. Of course, that's why no man would ever say it. But women get to say things like this. Men in this country just need to shut up. Wow. At any rate, Maisie Hirono kind of let the cat out of the bag. Maisie Hirono, the senator from Hawaii, said there's nothing wrong with letting an, a, a, a Supreme Court vacancy sit for a year or two. It's okay. In other words, they are just trying to stop Trump from making the appointment. No matter who it is, they're going to stop it because they wanted a Democrat to make that appointment. And if it couldn't be Hillary because she lost, well, then let's just let it sit for another couple of years until a Republican or a Democrat rather wins the White House. Uh, let's go to Akron. And I'm told we have... Uh, Someone who doesn't want to give her name but wants to say something uh, about this situation with Judge Kavanaugh and the allegations made by Christine Blasey Ford. Uh, I'm just going to call you Sue because I can't just say, hey, you. Uh, So fictional Sue, um, thank you for your phone call. What did you want to say? Well, thank you, Bob, for for taking my call. Uh, What I want to say is I'm really having a very hard time with the credibility of this woman and, of course, of the the Judicial Committee Democrats, because they've just devalued every real victim out there. And uh, what I want to say is, I had almost an incident very similar to that um, at the exact age, almost about the same time period. How do I remember my age, Bob? Because I couldn't drive. That was my reference point. I couldn't drive at the time. And I actually was innocently walking home, and one of the most popular underage boys as well, but older, uh, decided, I'll give you a ride home, as the weather started to turn bad. And when I reluctantly said, okay, I knew the person, I didn't think he was a bad person, I did get in the car, and within 
four seconds, um, the doors locked, and he whipped around into an area which I could take you to, to this point. Right now, right this moment, I could tell you what I was wearing, everything. I was 15 years old. I was not sexually attacked. I was able to fight him off. Within minutes, bruises were everywhere. As soon as I got out of that car, was able to get out, I ran. I told at least 10 people, including three or four mothers, and ran to that boy's house and told his own mother. And I remember every single detail, as do the victims who are 90-plus years old of the Holocaust. Um, let, 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 me interrupt, let me interrupt you if I can for a moment, please. Um, what you are saying right now is very compelling. Uh, and, and unfortunately, I have Eric Trump, uh, the president's son, waiting on the other side of this news break. Absolutely. But I don't want to cut you off. So what I'm going to ask you to do, if you would, is stay on the line and hold on, because I do want to talk to Eric Trump, and I would like to come back to you and hear the rest of your story. What you're saying is very, very compelling and very important in my estimation. So please hold that line, and we will continue. But Eric Trump is next here on AM 1420, The Answer. Nine thirty-five. Now the Bob France Authority continues on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. We'll open the phone lines back up very shortly at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five to talk more about Brett Kavanaugh, Chuck Grassley, essentially laying down the law as he should, and uh, the Democrat hypocrisy surrounding this ridiculous allegation by Christine Blasey Ford. We'll get back to all of that, but for now, as promised, want to welcome the son of the President of the United States back to our program here on AM 1420, The Answer in Cleveland. Eric Trump joins us once again. Eric, thanks for uh, spending the time this morning. How are you? Bob, it's great to be on with you again. Good to talk to you as always. And, uh, Eric, let me, let me ask you, uh, because the, your father has been very, very understated, which is a very un-President Trump-like, uh, thing for him to be as it pertains to this Kavanaugh situation and the allegations made by Christine Blasey Ford. Quite personally, I'm glad of that. I don't think we need to throw any more fuel on what is already a raging fire, but he's been pretty muted on this, saying only we have to see what she has to say, and if she has something credible to say, we'll have a decision to make. So it's been very measured. Uh, can you can you evaluate, or, and I don't know if you've had discussions with him on this, about how he's really feeling about this? No, you know, I haven't on, on, on this topic, but it's, um, you know, listen, the, the problem is this accusation is the worst thing in the world, for, meaning when it happens, um, it, is, it is absolutely the worst thing in the world. Um, at the same time, this whole situation has to make you scratch your, your head a little bit, right? Here's 36 years later, everybody's come out and said that this person has, you know, is, is, is a impeccable person. Um, you know, so many people across his career, you know, have, have, have come out and said that the person, they do not see the person ever having done this. The people who were there have denied the whole thing. Again, it's 36 years later, is in high school, et cetera, et cetera, right? So you can go on and on. So at the end of the day, it kind of makes you scratch your head. It's, it's something you always have to take seriously because it's a, it's a serious thing. And again, there's nothing worse. But at the same time, the situation is, it's, 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 it's incredibly bizarre. And then you go back and you look at the Democrats' conduct uh, in the first couple of days of the hearings. And you know, one of the things that no one talks about, Bob, no one talks about this, but it, it had me scratching my head, was the first day Kavanaugh sat down you know, at, at the bench um, mm-hmm. in front of the Senate at, at 9.30 in the morning. He didn't say his first words until 3 or 3.30 in the afternoon because you had Spartacus, you had Cory Booker, you had all these you know, morons sitting up there grandstanding about you know, effectively running for president on the bench, um, you know, wasting the American 
people's time. I, I mean, it was it was unbelievable. It was an embarrassment. It was an absolute disgrace. So then this comes out in the 11th hour, and everybody's sitting there saying, here was their conduct on the first day. Here was the Democrats' conduct on the second day. It was an absolute circus. He gets through. He gets through totally unscathed. He's perfect. He's incredibly articulate. He's bright. He's everything. And then all of a sudden, Diane Feinstein, the, the 11th hour, comes out with, 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 with something like this from 36 years ago that is denied by so many people. You know, again, you, you have to take it seriously because it's a serious charge. At the same time, you're sitting there saying, you know, based on their conduct, this is, you know, I, I mean, the whole thing's just been a circus. This, well, this, you, this whole confirmation by the Democrats has been an absolute circus. Yeah, you, you go to the first uh, moment of the hearings, and, and you're 100% right. I go back even further than that. The moment your father announced the name of Brett Kavanaugh, and of course we know that a lot of Democrat activists had placards with fill-in-the-blank here, uh, stop so-and-so. They were going to oppose yeah. with every fiber of their being anybody that your father appointed because uh, replacing Justice Kennedy with a conservative is, you know, tips the balance of the court, whereas the Gorsuch replacement of Scalia kind of kept the balance, two conservatives, you know, one replacing the other. But but not only did they have that fill-in-the-blank mentality, the moment they did say the name Brett Kavanaugh, they immediately made it very clear. We will do whatever it takes to stop this man from getting confirmed. They lived up to that in the, in the confirmation hearings, so now how can we see this as anything other than we will do anything we have to do? Honest or dishonest, we will do whatever we have to do to stop this man. You know why, Bob? Because they're losing at absolute everything, right? The, the Democratic Party, they don't have a message. They don't have a leadership. They stand for absolutely nothing. If you synthesize their message in the last uh, six weeks, and I've, I've said this many times before, it's a, let's raise your taxes, let's go after law enforcement, and let's abolish uh, plastic straws. I mean, it's, it's, a ridiculous, it's a ridiculous platform, and, and let's obstruct and resist on everything that Trump wants to do. Right now, we have the fastest-growing GDP in the history of our country, you know, one of the fastest-growing GDPs in the history of our country, uh, at 4.2% you know, growth. Um, early estimates next quarter say it might go up to 4.7%, 4.8%. I mean, our markets are absolutely on fire. As I look up at the screen, the, the S&P 500 had the all-time high opening today. So it set another another record this morning. The market's up by, what, 130 points the last time I looked up on my TV. It, it's doing incredible. Unemployment is the lowest it's ever been at 3.9%. Lowest female unemployment, lowest African-American unemployment, lowest Hispanic unemployment. You have 3% wage growth. So wages are growing for the first time in 16 years. Again, my father put through the largest tax cut in the history of, of, of the nation. Um, ISIS is all but gone. We have the largest military spending bill. Our vets are being taken care of for the first time in a very long time. Um, manufacturing's roaring back to our nation. Um, we're taking on the prison reform problem, which hasn't been ever touched and needs to be touched. Um, my father's going, you know, going to town on the the opioid crisis in this country, which has devastated so many lives. I mean, something that you know he works on every single day and takes so seriously. You know, so so he's doing all these things, and I can list four hundred other things, right? And 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 the Democrats are losing right now. I mean, they are absolutely losing by every quantifiable metric. Our country is is doing so well. I mean, look at look at the trade wars. Our, our the S and P five hundred, as I just said, is the highest it's ever been. The Chinese stock market this year is down twenty percent. You know, so they keep on talking about trade wars. Who's winning a trade war if if your markets are at all time highs and China has lost one fifth of the value of their of their, you know, market and of their economy. I mean, my father's winning. America is winning again. And, and so what do they do? You know, they obstruct, they distract, they try and get in the way. You know, they throw out these sensational things. They call us names. Um, 
you know, they sensationalize everything. It's, it's, that, that's their message. It's not going to win come November. It's not going to win come November. And, you know, quite frankly, you know this better than, than anybody, but, you know, you live in one of the most important states, um, you know, for those, for those upcoming races. And I think people in, in Ohio um, look through this garbage. Well, I, I really think they do, too, and, and and I'm not really worried about Ohio. I feel like the voters here do get all of that. I am worried about a lot of the other places, and I do look at the polling. We, of course, we know the polling can be wrong. It was wrong, certainly, when they saw your father losing handily uh, prior to uh, November of 2016, so they can be wrong. But I am a little bit worried about the, the overall balance of the of the House and, and, and possibly of the Senate as well. Eric, we're talking to Eric Trump, the son of the of the president. Um, do you agree with those who say, and, and because this is kind of a, 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 a feeling that a lot of people have right now, that if Senate Republicans don't stand up and support this nominee, talking about Brett Kavanaugh, and get this done, that it will have a very, very negative impact on Republican chances in the Senate, not just the House, which a lot of people are already worried about, but also the Senate because voters will say, you know what? I, I'm disillusioned. We we lost the nomination. We didn't get him through. Uh, they allowed the Democrats to bully them and push them over. And and so why should I go out there and vote for more of them? It's going to it's going to depress the vote the turnout for the Republicans. Do you agree that that could happen if they lose on the Kavanaugh fight? Yes. Um, you know, I, I, listen. I think the Supreme Court is probably one of the largest issues for for Republicans. Uh, it always has been one of the largest issues for for Republicans. I mean. At the end of the day, we we want somebody um, who believes in the Constitution as written, um, you know, not somebody who wants to go in there and make up, you know, their own laws and their own, uh, you know, and, and, and form their own opinions and, um, you know, uh, right? I mean, it, it is such a core principle to who we are um, as as Republicans. And so, you know, Supreme Court's one of the largest issues. And listen, I, I think, I think, um, Right goes goes through. I think uh, just Kavanaugh. I think he'll ultimately go through, and I think he'll ultimately be confirmed. Um, and um, but but I do think in the event that he wasn't, um, I think it could have an impact. There's no question about it. Um, Eric, let me get a couple of other things if I could. Um, one last thing on the Kavanaugh thing. Your brother has kind of gotten into a little bit of a uh, you know war of words of of some sort by uh, being criticized by. Uh, Jeff Flake, and we all know Jeff Flake has no love for your father. He's he's a never Trumper, and and one of the biggest embarrassments, quite frankly, in the Senate with respect to Republicans. But uh, uh, but Jeff Flake has said uh, that your your brother erred by by posting in a, kind of a joke. He, he either reposted or posted himself this uh, this you know kindergarten written in crayon kind of love note saying, "Christine, will you be my girlfriend?" Love, Brett. Um, he was very critical of your brother. Do do you guys think about those? Uh, criticisms, because you're all in the crosshairs, as you know, of the mainstream media and more. Anything you guys do because of the animus toward your father is going to be seen a certain way. Do you um, do, do you do you intentionally and and do you think your brother, you know, maybe want to step back from those kinds of things? You know what I mean. First of all, you know, as 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 you refer to him, I mean, he couldn't win re-election in his own state, which is one of the reasons that he's leaving. So I don't really take a whole lot of uh, you know what he says, um, you know, <laughs> at face value. I think he has his own problems and again uh one of the reasons that 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 he's out but bob we get attacked for everything you you know that i mean last week i i i I used the word shekel and they go oh eric's anti-semitic he's anti-semitic my sister jewish my you know brother-in-law married me like you know i i mean it's crazy i use the word shekel and and oh he's anti-semitic i mean they want to manufacture you know chaos they want to manufacture anarchy they you know uh, you know they do it every single day you see it here you see it 
you know, you, you see it with the flake comment, you see it with, with jokes. I mean, if, if you don't have your own platform, well, what do you do? You, you manufacture outrage. They do this every single day. The Democrats are better at it than anybody else because they have the entire media machine behind them. They take something out of contrast and they manufacture outrage. Um, and, and you know what? Americans are a lot smarter um, than they are. When, when they see their 401ks that are up by 35%, when they see uh, their paychecks growing, when they see that there's um, you know, ample opportunity um, in, in, in the workforce now, um, as opposed to years before where people couldn't find a job and were oftentimes working three, four, five jobs, um, you know, when, when they see stock markets booming and, and factories opening back up, right? You know, they they look at all of this as window dressing and and chaos, and it doesn't help. It doesn't help the Democrats. It really it really doesn't. So, um, first of all, I think people need to lighten up a little bit. Um, but it, but again, it's 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 this manufactured outrage. You see it every day about every to- you know topic, and quite frankly, I think people are just becoming desensitized. Yeah, I think you're 100% right about that. Uh, they are, and, and this is really unfortunate because, you know, everything you said in your pre- previous comment to me, Eric, is true. You could sit here and have listed 400 more things that have gotten better in this country since your father took over, and we should be celebrating the uh, the boom and the, pro- the t- period of, of peace and prosperity that we're in right now, and instead all of this uh, all of this politicking and all of this desperation by the Democrats have us in a very different, divi- uh, divisive place. Let me ask you one last thing before you go, because I know your time is limited, but I wanted to to talk about the wall you know your president your, your president your father the president continues to say uh, we need to build this wall he's right M- most of us i believe it was probably the number one issue in the election we had a choice between building a wall and hillary clinton who said i envision an open border hemisphere we chose the wall and yet you know republican colleagues uh in the, in the senate and in the house continue to advance spending bills for 2019 asking uh, your father to sign something that doesn't include any spending for that wall um do you believe your father would shut down the government and veto any spending bill that doesn't give us what we asked for when we voted his uh when we chose his name on the ballot yes because it, it, it was my father's and it is one of my father's top issues now you know, he is building the wall. You know, wall is being built as we speak. Um, you know, they they have uh, several uh, several billion dollars that, as you know, right, and they're building in in, in the top spots. Um, you know, California, some places in Arizona, et cetera, et cetera. Meaning, easiest spots where you know, effectively, drugs can be thrown over a wall into a you know into a city where you know houses effectively abut. Meaning, the most critical areas where you're not walking through hundred miles of you know hundreds and hundreds of miles worth of desert. So the wall is being built, but. You know, they do need more money, um, and I'd love to see Republicans come up with that money. They have to come up with that money. It is such a pivotal issue for our country. It's not just immigration, illegal immigration, you know, but look at the opioid crisis. You know, it's one of the reasons my father is, is, is such a big proponent. I mean, look at the amount of drugs that come pouring through the southern border, and, you know, they corrupt our kids. They they corrupt our society. Um, they leave lasting, lasting, lasting damage. Um, it puts a major toll on on families. It puts a major toll on our um, you know healthcare institutions. Um, something has to be done about it. And then obviously you have the problems associated with illegal immigration. We've seen all of those problems for so long. And then lastly, just from a principle standpoint, you need to know who's in your country. And people should be coming to this country legally, and it should be based on merit um, and other things. And so. The wall has to be built for so many reasons, and and listen, he's going to get the thing done. You mark my words, he's going to get the thing done. Uh, He needs more people in the Senate. Yes, he does. Uh, We need more people in the House, and and, and honestly, it's why 
You know, it, it's, it's not just about in 2018 in November, it's not just about voting for whoever the respective person is on the ballot. I mean, by, by, by voting for them, you're voting for him. You're enabling him to actually do what, what he does. And, and, and it's important that people make that distinction because if he doesn't have the House, if he didn't have the Senate, and I think we're going to do nicely, but if, if, if he didn't have either of those things, it would make his job all but impossible to actually accomplish all the things that he wants to accomplish. And quite frankly, some of the rhinos, you know, mentioning Jeff Flake that are, that are, that are going to get off, um, will also make his life a lot easier because you'll have other Republicans in there that are much more in line with his platform, uh, not people who have just sat in Washington, D.C. for the last 40 years um, doing nothing and, um, you know, uh, representing so much of the problem that they have in the past. Eric, uh, you can refer to Jeff Flake by his nickname Snow anytime you wish. I won't be offended by that. That's that's what I call him. So, so but, uh, <laughs> no, but I know. No, I, like, I, I like that, Bob. I've been calling like him that. Snowflake ever since uh, you know he first came out against your father and started all the shenanigans he has. Uh, but yeah. uh, by the way, try shillings next time, or try denarii. I use different references for for uh, for um, uh, you know money and 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 cash and so on and so all the time. When I saw they them ripping you for shekels, I have said shekels. I have said yen i have said denarii old ancient roman <laughs> currency all the different words for currency and they came out you're right they're gonna they're gonna criticize it's you guys no matter they, what you they do manufacture they manufacture chaos because they think that's going to help them win and it's not going to help them win we're a lot smarter than this america's a lot smarter than this well they you're right that's exactly what they're trying to do keep up the good fight eric trump uh thank you so much for your time come back and join us here in northeast ohio it's such an important place an important part of this obviously extraordinarily important state to get the message out there so come back and see us anytime time hey bob thanks for the friendship you got it thank we'll you so soon. much you got it eric trump uh joining us uh the son of the president out there uh trying to spread the message uh what are we six weeks away a little less than six weeks away from uh uh voting for control of the congress um and he's got a message to share and i'm glad he decided to share it with us all right it's uh 9 we'll go right back to the phone calls and i want to finish up a phone call from a young lady in akron who had a very important message to share as well that's coming up on am 1420 the answer All right, 956 now, the Bob France Authority. Uh, I want to go right back to a previous phone call from a caller in Akron who came on before Eric Trump. And uh, she does not want to give her name because the discussion that we were having is a very sensitive one. And if I can recap this briefly before I ask you to pick it up, for those who did not hear the start of your call, and again, I'm going to call you Sue just to pick a name. Um, you, you said that when you were 15 years old, you suffered a sexual assault from somebody uh, who gave you a ride, uh, who locked the doors, turned into a, a, a very... Um, uh, 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 you know, a secluded area and began to attack you. Um, you started to tell us about how much you remember from that night, which is everything, um, which is what makes you very skeptical about this story being told by Christine Blasey Ford, who remembers nothing about her alleged sexual assault. Now, if I uh, explain that properly, please pick it up from there. And if not, please correct me. You are totally correct, um, Bob. Um, not only, um, I, I was walking, it was broad daylight, I was walking home from work, and like I said, the weather had uh, tar- turned bad, I had a summer job, and uh, he, I knew the, the boy, he was very popular, he was a neighbor, he was friends, and also a boyfriend of my very good classmate, uh, so I had no problem knowing the man, or young man, and getting into the car with them, 
And when this incident did happen, I was able to fight my way out of the car and threaten him to, to and fight him off. But more importantly, the first thing I did was I ran, when I got home, I called my best friend, and then we together walked to uh, this young man's girlfriend's house, who was also a classmate, and I warned her, I don't think he is who he is supposed to be. You need to be very careful. Um, eventually, Bob, I did confront the boy's mother, and um, he apologized to me. I have to say that this is eerily similar because I was the same age that this woman is claiming to have been when her attack happened. I am also the same age now as what she is. So this is also 36 years plus in my memory. I remember everything. I And I can tell you that I used that incident as a uh, teaching moment for my daughters, three, and told them, you know, not every situation can be calculated, but you need to be able to assess things. Um, this boy is now a man and a middle-aged man. He is a um, accomplished. He is a businessman. I probably could come out and ruin his life, his wife and his family. To what point? He's lived a great life. He's a good man. I have no desire to have to retaliate and ruin his reputation. That, to me, just seems petty uh, and ridiculous. He, he, he wasn't a bad person after that incident, and he obviously learned that you know, his boys can be boys behavior was taken way too far. That is a very, very compelling story. And I, as I said before the break or before I went to that other interview, uh, and I'm so glad to hear you say it because everything you just said is exactly what I think one would expect. Now, I'm not a woman. I can't put myself in a position of saying I was assaulted or I can imagine what an assault feels like or anything else. But I would imagine if it was that, um, uh, if it had, was that impactful to you, you would be able to recall all of the things that you just said, and you also wouldn't have sat on it. You told girlfriends you eventually confronted his mother, which means you confronted him, got an apology from him. You, you, you knew, you even went and warned his girlfriend. Because you don't want, if you feel like if this guy is a danger to you, he can be a danger to other girls, and you, you cared enough about them to do that. None of those things were done in this case with this accuser in California. None of them, uh, not, not the girlfriends, not the parents, not a teacher, not a police officer, not him, tr confronted nobody about this, and then miraculously, you know, 30 years later, has this revelation, oh, this really, really accomplished man, now is the time for me to destroy him. Um, Bob, it, it, may I add one more? May I add one more thing, please? Yeah, quickly because I'm running short on time. Okay. Go ahead. Sure. My my comment is: if you are sitting on a judiciary committee and you cannot make assessments or be wanting to assess all situations or make up your mind before a judge before you even listen to the man, you should not be on any judiciary committee, and you should I, be quali uh, disqualified. I think that's a very well-stated point. Thank you so much. I appreciate your call. Again, I'm just calling her Sue. She's from Akron and didn't want to identify herself for obvious reasons. But I really appreciate you coming forward and sharing uh, that, uh, that story. News time now. Your calls to follow. AM 1420, The Answer. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.